The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking for healthcare innovators. Here on the Healthcare Wrap, we believe that the healthcare experience has to change, and we're trying to do something about it. We can either stand back and let it take another 50 years, or we can jump in right now. And folks, I think you know how we roll by now. We're not going to coast in neutral. We're hitting the gas. Come be a part of it. Each week, we talk about building the healthcare of tomorrow. We recently passed 175 episodes in three years on the air. We're now in season six, where we're focusing on how to operationalize and scale consumer-first healthcare and digging into the details of how to make it happen. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about connecting pockets of innovation. The industry has definitely innovated, but mostly in pockets. So how do we connect the silos of innovation and collaboratively design something better than any of us can on our own? I'll talk about that. Then Brian Cush is in the house to share some provocative thinking about establishing your brand's authority in the digital world. We want to help consumers make better healthcare choices. So how do successful brands establish their authority in organic search and other digital channels to influence those choices? It's time to dive right in. You ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. If you work in healthcare and have ever thought, how do we fix this? You belong in a tribe of people who are driven to answer that question and want to do something about it. There's a difference between people who ask, how can we get back to business as usual? And those who lose sleep pondering, how can we build it better? Where can I start? If there's one thing I've learned after producing more than 400 podcast episodes and literally speaking with hundreds of guests across all silos of healthcare, it's that there are a lot of people investing a lot of time, money, and energy trying to build a better system. One thing that has held back our progress is that we've innovated, but only in pockets. It's time to connect to the silos of innovation and collaboratively design something better than any of us can on our own. Am I talking about moonshots? No, that's too lofty. Incremental improvement? No, that takes too long. Somewhere in the middle? You got it. I'm talking about professionals in every side of healthcare who want to be part of what's coming next and have only been limited in the past because they didn't know where to find like-minded people. We need innovation experts, human-centered design experts, digital tech and data experts, business model experts, and marketing and branding experts. Paul Keckley, healthcare policy expert and managing editor of the Keckley Report, recently framed this vision as a call to action on a recent episode of Hello Healthcare, and I quote, 
we've got to start building the system of the future instead of just feeding this incremental change and calling that innovation. We're not innovating in consumer-driven healthcare. We're just putting a new coat of paint on it. Let's go all the way. And if the healthcare system of the future ends up as one system for individuals who are purchasing and responsible for the cost and outcome of their care, which could be as many as 40% of the population and another 60% of the population who say, I want to use the public schools. I want to stay in the system that's been created for me. It's like going through McDonald's. I don't think I'm going to necessarily get the best, most nutritious meal, but I know what to expect and I don't have to think about it. Then that's the way other systems of the world have evolved into kind of a bifurcation between a consumer-directed, semi-private system and a public system. And I think that's where we're going. Close quote. Consumers want healthcare that's easier, more convenient, less scary, less costly, and ultimately, maybe even delightful. We've tried reaching these consumer expectations in silos for long enough. The time to connect the pockets of innovation is now. Let's come together as a new community and develop shared goals for this path that will incentivize us to build something together that's better than anything we can create on our own. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the Week. All right, another exciting week, ladies and gentlemen. Brian Cush is in the house with us again. Brian's the president and co-founder of Title Health Group. They're a specialized agency working in medical and health practice marketing. And I say that with like like special distinction, if there's a way to do that, because of really the way that they do it. I mean, the data that sits underneath pretty much every strategic recommendation they make to clients is pretty mind-boggling. So, uh, Brian, first and foremost, welcome back to the program. Awesome. Thanks, Jared. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and uh, happy to be back. Yeah, we were having fun with uh, with Brian Callis from Accenture a couple of weeks ago on the podcast about how there should almost be like some like something that you shoot for in your career, which is like being a return guest on this podcast. We were just totally joking, but we're like, you know, we really don't invite people back, you know, all the time, you know, some, you know, maybe it is something worth the, we were like, do we put a, a badge around it or something that, you know, you put on your LinkedIn profile or something? I don't know, but one way or the other, we're glad to have you back and we're really excited to dive into today's topic. But uh, how are things going for you these days? No, they're going well. And I, I love the idea of that. And I'm, I'm always happy to add another Brian to the clan. Like my business partner is Brian. So I already agree with his train of thought. <laughs> That's true. We It's an even smaller set of Brian's who have been invited back. It's a very narrow set. So that's fantastic. So for those, there's some listeners who are new to us probably since the last time you've been on. Do you want to give us a, you know, a quick uh, origin story about Title Health Group and about yourself? And, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, myself, my business partner, co-founders in Title Health Group. We've been around since 2012. We're based here in Manhattan in New York. We work with health brands and really health platforms, health technologies, really any industry specific that's like looking to connect with someone searching for care. We really pride ourselves in just like knowing the consumer psychology around healthcare decisions that really manifests in two ways is building the authority of that healthcare brand and then acquiring those patients or even practitioners. We're really a full service marketing company in terms of the services, but we're a hundred miles deep in just understanding healthcare and consumers of healthcare psychology. Well, you know, what's interesting, Brian, and I'm glad you brought that up because that is not one of the things that typically comes, you know, right off the tip of the tongue when when we start talking about marketing and, you know, the psychology of choices and decision making. And yet that is the absolute thing we, it's an absolute essential 
piece of the puzzle when we're talking about how do we help somebody live healthier? I mean, how do we, you know, bring this back to a macro level? That's what we're trying to do. Connect people with care and, and answers that's going to make them healthier and, and more well. So if we think about it that in, in those terms, we have kind of this new opportunity, I guess, is a way for me to put it. We have this new opportunity to recognize how consumer choices are changing. And whenever we're talking about consumer first healthcare, that's the first thing that comes to mind for me as well. You mentioned like that's kind of the foundation of what you do from there. There are services that are layered on top of that. But at the end of the day, that's what you're addressing. Some choice that a consumer is making at some point. And we've talked in recent weeks about how a lot of healthcare choices aren't made with all the information that you need. They're not usually made rationally, if you will. They're usually made with a lot of emotion in a short amount of time with not all the information. And it's usually unexpected. Quite often, it's not something we plan for and wake up in the morning saying, what healthcare choices am I going to make today? So there's just a lot about that whole process that leads to the thought of like, what are, what are the foundations of that choice? What influences it? And one of those is definitely brand. And a piece of brand that I don't hear us talking enough about is creating authority, right? When, when the authority of our brand is in the right place, then that sure makes it a lot easier to trust that brand and to follow what they're inviting us to do. We're being asked all day long to make choices, to buy something, to think about something, you know, buy brands and, and just not doing it well enough. So we're here to talk today, Brian, about creating authority in this digital world. Uh, I'd love to hear where you would go with that first and foremost. What does that bring to mind? Yeah, no, I love you paint a really interesting picture. And I think it's something that our community has looked at often is where they'll put the kind of cart before the horse and they'll go, well, we need to acquire more patients or we need to grow the service line or we need to get into this community and let them know about this new office that's opening. Really with kind of missing the obvious is while well, you need to be an authority first to then build that trust and acquire that patient. And that's like the staying and like a statement line we always make is really is like authority is the pivot pivot point. And then powerful growth and acquisition is the result. Most people go to the result first going, well, why aren't we acquiring patients when they're not really looking at the problem first is going, well, you're not seen as an authority online. So often, especially within kind of the people within the medical community, they may be the most well-published. They may have the best care. They may have the best HCAP scores. Like within the medical world, they're saying, hey, we, we are the best. But the consumers of the medical world don't know those information. They don't know those data points. That's not how they consume healthcare. So you need to translate that authority into an actual digital consumer authority. Okay, so that leads to the great question of how do we do that? How do we translate that authority to a way that resonates with consumers? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing we talk about, honestly, is just how do the consumers even speak about your industry? Uh, you think about the like heavy medical taxonomy and language often when campaigns or physician directories or specialties are defined, they're really defined with how the medical industry talks about them. But that's not how consumers look for and consume and make healthcare decisions online. In the simplest sense, it's roughly 80 to 85% of healthcare searches online fall within the categories of symptoms and conditions. And those are just the layman terms that we look up before we know what we're diagnosed with or what treatment is required for us. So what about some specific, any examples that come to mind in terms of, you know, maybe we can walk, walk listeners through this process, you know, so maybe we can pick a, a service line or, you know, or a type of provider that, 
kind of walk us through how we do that. Yeah, I think one of the ones that always comes back to me, uh, we're working with an otolaryngology group. And it's funny, generally, when you talk to someone, either if it's the practitioner or someone within like the administration of healthcare, their first thought is, well, here's a service list of what we do. And it's usually just like a breakdown of like language from like CPT codes and from like a billing taxonomy. So they'll say like, oh, okay, well, we do septoplasties and we do vestibular stenosis and we do septal perforations and it's all the actual procedures. But as a consumer of healthcare, I don't know that language when I have a problem. I'm just at the point of really the symptom stage going like this is happening to me or this is hindering my life. So for us, our job is to go, okay, we want to understand the service list you have, but then we need to translate that and find how people are searching online. And one of like the anecdotal ones we always get planning is something like, why do I keep waking up in the middle of the night with breathing problems? Why do I keep getting recurring sinus infections? Why does my nose keep running? How do I solve these black eyes, these recurring black eyes? And then that information is so counter to what someone within industry would associate to ultimately needing a surgery. But that's the beginning of the stage of them being educated to then ultimately come in for that care. So why do you think there is a question about how we create authority? And what what I mean is there's typically a divide between clinicians and how they have been instructed and educated to show their own authority clinically versus when you Google something, any of the the conditions you just said, you know, any of the symptoms, they're just, there's a divide there in terms of what builds up, like what are the ingredients of creating authority on both sides of that? How do we overcome that, that gap? Like how, how do we do it in a way that works for consumers, but then the doctors actually understand why we're doing it that way? Yeah. I mean, that's the ultimate question. And I think it's it's kind of a twofold. It's not really overcoming one or the other, but it's getting both parties on the table and understanding that they need to work together. And it makes sense when you look within the medical community, there has to be structure, there has to be process, there has to be peer review. When you think about things like publications and, and research and grants, they all need to be talking the same thing so that they're able to review and understand and, and disseminate the information within the medical community so that they can all understand And that's kind of funny, like that's the dividing line. If we're working with someone that's more of a hospitalist versus someone, let's say, in a private practice, their definition of authority is really twofold. One's much more driven on like the inside medical world of publications and research and grants. The other one's driven much more on like the consumer of the medical world, like gathering reviews and building a brand and having a functional website. It's really interesting to see that they both think they are the authority of their field because they weigh heavier on one side of that coin, but they're really both right. So really both have to be on the table and understand that not only do you have to be internally, but external authority. Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. 
If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff. And we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health IT. Hey, this is Scott Burgess from Healthcare 360, the fair and balanced healthcare podcast, exploring everything you wish you knew about healthcare, but don't. Join us weekly in an open, transparent conversation with some of the biggest names in the healthcare business surrounding this one question and one question only. Had you known there were other options to exhaust and explore before you traveled down the traditional healthcare route, how would you weigh those options against what you think healthcare and medicine really is? For more information about Healthcare 360 and how together we can help transform lives, visit scotteburgess.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or follow us anywhere you enjoy listening. See you there. No, I think that's a great point because what that kind of leads to is the recognition that one doesn't automatically mean the other. And I think that has been a lesson for some doctors who have very clearly had the the clinical authority, who have had years or even decades of experience in a certain procedure or in a certain specialty at the very least. And their, you know, their fellowship training, you, you know, you add up your your schooling, your fellowships, your certifications, you know, and and all your continuing education, all your publications, and you feel like well, the public's going to know this and recognize this just because I have all these things. And what you're saying is, if I, if I understand this right, that is just not an automatic thing. The, the creation of authority based on like your, your CV, you know, your professional achievements. So we really are talking about, you know, how this works. You know, if, if we kind of flip it back to the consumer side even more, so you were talking about symptoms versus conditions or treatments previously. Uh, can you tell us more about that distinction? Why, why is it so important to focus on your authority around a certain symptom as opposed to a treatment? Yeah, I mean, one of our favorite graphics that we kind of often reference is this magnifying glass that broke down and categorized. There's about 100 billion healthcare searches online and broke them into four categories. The first two that were the smallest were brand and treatments. And there's roughly 20% of those searches fell under those two categories. So in the healthcare world, brand is just the doctor's name, the department's name, the hospital's name. And then treatment is that heavy medical taxonomy and language that we mentioned before of something that's really more like CPT code driven. Ultimately, about 80% of those searches are then symptoms and conditions. So just by nature, if you can start to associate yourself to those larger categories, they're just more volume. And when you think about it, I mean, it makes sense is the general public doesn't know what their problem is yet, and they don't know who will solve it yet. So a lot more people search what you do than who you are as a provider or a health brand. Gotcha. So if you had like a, a recommendation for a starting point for any provider organization and they are trying to improve their presence here, they're trying to increase their authority online, what's a good starting point? 
Yeah, it's funny. We, we try and like pride ourselves in this kind of like practice uh, roadmap concept. And really step one for us is uh, reputation and data management. And really what that means is the data management side is making sure your house is in order for those branded and treatment related searches. So it's like, you're not going to be found for what you do if people can't even find who you are first. So our step one is really like control and make sure that structured information around you exists online and it's correct across the board and then have a process in place to gather and continually gather reviews around your service. That for us is kind of like pouring the foundation to like the house of a marketing campaign. We're not going to spend any proactive dollars if your information is incorrect or you can't be found in a positive light online. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So that's got to come first. Like you said, I, that makes a lot of sense. That's kind of the foundation. And then you, you've got to build on that. So, and any tips for increasing authority in other areas that we haven't mentioned yet? So you mentioned yeah, brand, the treatment itself, and then the symptoms. Are there any other pieces of authority that providers should be paying attention to? Yeah, I think it's how you start to apply and find that information. I mean, one of the biggest nuggets for us uh, in our industry is using like Google or Bing search console. Like this is a really interesting concept that we try and push on is like, it's a little bit outside of the scope of brand building, but is that kind of like that data ownership or like, when does the beginning of an episode of care really start? And people are trying to understand like, okay, we want to be able to pass the patient's data and have interoperability. And we're going on a total <laughs> tangent here, but where I make the connection is like, we're proponents of almost that episode of care starts before that person even interacts with you. So like the terms that they're searching online, the content that they're going through, the pages that they go through before making that appointment or making that call is almost part of that episode of care. And some of that is within things like search consoles around search engines. So we use that as a nugget in the baseline to go. Most of the client sites we kind of get brought into often are heavily trafficked through brand search. And our measuring stick of success is when we actually start to see those terms go down and get superseded by non-branded search, like symptoms and conditions. So we use that almost as a research tool to start to understand and find the words that Google and Bing are already doing the heavy lifting for and saying, hey, people are searching these things and we're letting this page serve as a result for it. So they're already doing the first step saying like, we think these layman terms actually are relevant to these medical pages. So then all you're doing is starting to close those gaps and go, oh yeah, that text and that information should also be represented on those pages that are very heavily medical forward. Nice, nice. So yeah, what I hear is that there's, there's a very important order to doing these things and also that it changes a lot. So you've got to reference data, whether it is in Google search console or, or wherever, there are a lot of other tools, you know, to help, help you see how the data is changing. So what people are searching for, what's popular in terms of how they're searching for it, little nuances in one type of wording versus another. So that sounds pretty tedious, right? There's, there's just a lot to that. Are there any other parts of that process that you see that uh, providers could be doing better in? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a continuation of that, of just, there's never going to be an end to this. I mean, we're all going to experience and search for care in different ways. I mean, COVID was eye opener to that. 
that historically was never a term for us and really across the board. And then it overtook every site we controlled because people were trying to understand how COVID related to basically every medical specialty and every symptom and every condition across the board. So to be an authority, there's almost zero publication out around COVID and other specialties. But that doesn't mean that you can't produce information just because there isn't a publication behind it. So the faster you can get ahead of and kind of connect and at least make some information available around the consumerism of healthcare that just distinguishes your authorship and your authority even faster. Oh, I love that. I love that thought because that kind of brings together a lot of these different points. And rather than, you know, trying to make this, you know, a really scary process that that is just tedious or just uncomfortable because I know those are feelings that a lot of marketers just tend to feel when they're trying to go down this road and, and trying to explore and figure out what, you know, what are we looking at with the data? Like, how do we make little changes and little tweaks to what we're trying to optimize for, to our target search phrases and so forth. It is a tedious process. And I guess I keep using that word because that means you have to pay a lot of attention to it. And it does change really frequently. Like you said, COVID made that made us more aware of that than maybe anything in recent memory. So I just love the thought of how you're bringing this all together. Brian, as we start to wrap up here, any, any other thoughts on uh, how authority ties to brand or just brand for providers in general that we haven't covered yet? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, the one how we often define and um, push on brand is, is reputation. Uh, is no matter how big or small you are is your brand is your reputation. And one of the data points we did on a recent like deep dive analysis, um, we have like a centralized global analytics account between like all web properties that we control is we track back 11% of the appointments came from reputation platforms directly. So these are people that did their first interaction with the brand was with their reputation. So you think like a Google My Business profile, a Yelp profile, a WebMD profile, whatever it was, their first interaction was an area where you don't even have a chance to defend yourself in person. And like we use that almost as like a jarring statement is you want to make sure that your reputation is in the right places that people are making those decisions. And we see that number only growing over time. So it's really like taking the investment in ownership and extending how you think about your reputation. And the way we spin it and understand it to people is that people are just looking to find someone as similar to them as they can. And they want to hear your other consumers, which i.e. are patients' stories and hear their experience and their words. Brian, this has been fantastic. I love just getting this this deep into it. Maybe it's just my my inner marketing nerd <laughs> that, uh, that gets to uh, gets really excited about this kind of stuff because this is absolutely how we, at the end of the day, this is how we get people connected with the care that they need. And I love being able to just draw like one straight line to that with the work that you're doing and that so many of our listeners that you're doing to be able to say that like, yeah, this is a really short line between what we do every day and making people healthier, you know, helping them make better decisions. So Brian, it's been such a pleasure. It's been so fun. How do listeners connect with you if they want to reach you or, or find you online? What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. I mean, myself personally, I'm definitely pretty active and trying to be accessible through LinkedIn. So you can always search for me by my name or our company title health group on LinkedIn or our company website titlehealthgroup.com. Fantastic. 
Brian, all the best to you. Can't wait to keep up with you and, and hear what's coming next and uh, uh, keep up all the great work. Stay safe, stay well. And thanks for giving us a few minutes. Certainly, Jared. Always a pleasure. Ed Marks here with Digital Voices, the only podcast for chief digital officers across all of healthcare and life sciences. Digital Voices is about the voice of the patient, the provider, the payer, pharma, big tech, retail, public health, really any part of the healthcare and life sciences ecosystem, that's the digital voice we wanna capture as we learn and break barriers across the entire spectrum. Join us weekly as we drop our pod. Hey, thanks to Brian and thank you for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, do us a favor and follow us using your favorite podcast app and tell your friends and colleagues about us. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Healthcare Wrap is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, I tell you every week, folks, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health Content Network. Go check out the latest podcast in the network. It's called Hello Healthcare. It's hosted by none other than Chris Hemphill, and it's focused on people who are moving healthcare forward, how healthcare strategy relates to data and AI, and what you can do to create or demand a better future. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or at shift.health, where all 35 podcasts and video series are free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks. And that's a wrap.